Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, January 12th. New year, but same financial struggles? If you're looking to make 2023 the year to get your financial house in order, we've got you covered. We catch up with Bruce Celery, financial educator and CEO of Credit Canada. Bruce offers up some tips to tackle the Christmas credit card debt and get your budget back on track. In response to an increase in COVID cases, testing is back in place for travelers arriving in Canada from China as news spreads of an alarming increase in cases in the region. We discuss the rise in COVID cases in China with Tariq Yazarevic of the World Health Organization. Looking to get new crosswalks painted in your neighborhood? How about a new sign for a playground zone? We discuss the hurdles and steps to get the ball rolling in your community with our on-air contributor, Dave McIver. Speaking of not yucky, but yummy, one of our yummiest guests (laughs) here on Mornings with Sue and Andy is Bruce Celery. And we've been speaking to big names this week because we have now launched on the FM dial. 107.3 FM if you're listening on 770 AM. And we're joined by the only man able to make personal finance fun. Bruce Celery, (laughs) CEO of Credit Canada, back to help get our finances in order in 2023. Good morning to you, Bruce. Good morning. I love that you said I'm yummy because most people, when they think of celery, they're they're like their mouth curves down at the corners and they're like I'm negative calories, but I'm not a particularly delectable treat. You know, I'll bring in uh, briefly. Our conversation is when you when you like something, Bruce, and you post it online, you're happy with it. You like it. So it was enough for you to put a post up for it. And somebody gets on and says, well, Bruce, I don't like jelly beans. Why do you like jelly beans? They're disgusting. Why can't they just let you have your like and you want to share? Let me have my thing. Let me have my thing. Right? Yes. Don't yuck my yum. You can start using that that, uh, saying as well, Bruce, if you want. Don't yuck my yum. Okay, I will do that. (laughs) All right, well. Let's, uh, let's get into something that might be, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going against yucky. the grain, might be yucky, is opening that credit card bill, looking at that oh. statement after Christmas and saying, I want to get a fresh start, but we're already starting in the hole. Help us, Bruce. Okay, so we need to deal with the reality of the behavior that unfolded through November and December, and that manifests for most of us in our credit card bill. So I think you need to open the bill. You know, you may know someone who doesn't actually even open the envelope. They kind of slide it in a drawer and think that somehow if they hide it for a couple of weeks, some of the debt's going to evaporate. It doesn't? It's not the way that it works. It does not. Oh. It is always there. So open the envelope. And then this is a thing that I recommend people do all the time is put it all together on one piece of paper. So Most of us have, many of us have more than one credit card. Uh, There could be other debt. Put it on a piece of paper that lists the uh, creditor, the the lender, so the credit card company or the car loan, the amount outstanding, the interest rate, the minimum payment, the date due. Put that on one piece of paper and total it up. It is not a yum experience Mm. to get that total. You're not going to be happy about that. But it's so critical for you to have the big picture and say, okay, like this is what it is. It is analogous to stepping on that scale. You need to know the reality. By the way, I did that. I was horrified. <laughs> and now, now all I'm eating for January is celery. That is it. That's all I'm eating, celery. I love it. And uh, join the club. Um, let's talk about, though, you know, how do we then, so you see the credit card bill, it's big. What if we can't yeah. afford to pay the whole thing? Do we just pay the minimum? Do you throw in a little extra? How's your philosophy on that? 
So first of all, you pay the minimums on everything, every time, on time, without fail. And the reason you do that is you have a contractual agreement to do that. And a lot of people don't think of like, you know, I'll do my best. No, no, you have signed an agreement with a credit card company to pay that minimum. And if you do not, if you are a millisecond late, it's gonna hit your credit score. So you do whatever you can to pay that minimum. In fact, I recommend people automate the minimum always. Just so I don't have to think about it. Then the second thing would be, if you can't pay off that uh, outstanding balance, is you need a plan. And the basics of that plan is to have your income exceed your expenses, such that your cash flow will allow you to make some uh, more significant payments over time. And that's not fun. Like, where am I going to earn more income? Where am I going to cut my spending? But I think one of the things you can do at this time of year is get a sense for what, not a sense, get a, a number. Here's the number of the outstanding balance. Here's what I could carve out in terms of finding additional money. And that means it will be X number of months before my debt-free day. And when I say debt-free day, I don't include mortgage in that, but but the high interest credit card stuff. So uh, I think that's a critical bit of math to say, well, I've got $1,000 outstanding. I can free up an extra 100 bucks a month. It's going to take me about 10 months to do that. Wait a sec. What if I could earn more money on the side? What if I could cut expenses and take that debt-free day from you know 10 months from now to three months from now? Rose, just before we let you go, we're only on the 12th of January, and so it sounds like I'm ringing the alarm bells, but on the 12th of January, if you, if you can't sleep and you can't seem to connect the dots, at what point do I know that I can't do this myself and I need professional uh, you know, credit help? There is no downside to calling a nonprofit credit counseling agency. It's why we're here. So uh, I would call before you before it gets acute, before the challenge is acute. There are many agencies across this country. We are one of them uh, and our counselors, this is gonna sound like an infomercial, but our counselors are standing by. <laughs> we're there, we're a nonprofit agency. So we are happy to take your call. It could be a five minute conversation. It could be a full counseling appointment that could last an hour and you leave with a budget, and you do all that stuff. But it's one of those things It's like, why stress about it when you can call a professional who's going to give you some third-party perspective and some um, tactics to get a handle on this is right there, off the top in 2023. Is there a fee for that? No, no, it's free. Okay. All the nonprofit credit counseling agencies are free and um, and it's, 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 it's my life's work. It's what I was put on the planet to do. You are yummy. Thank you so much for joining us, Bruce Celery. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. You can go online to creditcanada.com, do what he talked about. You can also go to his page, which is moolala.ca. China experiencing a surge in COVID cases. Joining us with some insight into the situation in that country is Tariq Yasarevich, a World Health Organization spokesperson. Good morning to you, Tariq. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate it. What is the current COVID situation in China right now? Well, uh, we are receiving uh, uh, reports uh, of increased number of infections, increased number of uh, hospitalization and administrative care units. Uh, we are in contact with Chinese authorities and we have asked them to, uh, to try to provide us in a real-time uh, data so we can have a proper uh, make a make a proper assessment and and make some recommendations. Uh, we uh, we think that uh, what has been reported so far uh, from China underrepresents the the burden of 
of that of this surge uh, in China. Uh, it's really important that that we get this data not only on cases and infections and, and, and hospitalizations, but also on genetic uh, uh, sequences of the virus, so we can see if there are any new mutation uh, with this uh, increased number of infections. Tariq, I get the impression that there's not an exact open communication between the WHO and China. So are there other ways you can glean information about increasing cases in the country? Well, we really hope that we will get uh, this information from uh, National Health Commission of China and Chinese CDC. We are in touch with them and we have, uh, uh, we have contacts at the technical level. It, it is really important that, uh, that we get uh, information not only from China, but from all the countries first to be able to see what is going on right now in the world. Uh, and secondly, uh, as I said, uh, to make sure that uh, we don't miss uh, any changes in SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus. So, so we hope this information will be uh, forthcoming uh, uh, from China. Uh, and, and that's something that it's really in, in their interest as well. We have seen that some countries have uh, introduced some travel requirements uh, for travelers coming from uh, China. Uh, and in the absence of the, of the, of the data, uh, from uh, from any country, uh, it's normal that countries uh, introduce measures that they think uh, are fit to protect their population. So, so uh, more com- uh, more data coming, more timely and regular data coming from China uh, will help all the countries uh, make their own assessments uh, and maybe review uh, those travel requirements. Tariq, numbers we're seeing say nearly 90% of the people in Henan, China's third most populous province, have now been infected with COVID. And this this surge in cases seems to be coming after China abandoned all of their COVID policies in December when there were a lot of uprising and protests. What would the World Health Organization prefer happens in China and perhaps other countries as well at this point? Well, uh, let's go back to 2020. Uh, China introduced uh, very strict measures, and it made sense at that time. At that time, uh, the virus was much more severe. Uh, the, we didn't have vaccines. Uh, people didn't have any immunity. Uh, so it was really buying the time through, through lockdowns uh, to, 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 to make vaccines and try to contain the spread. Uh, with, with the arrival of Omicron, beginning of 2022, uh, that is much more transmissible, but at the same time less severe, uh, with vaccines uh, at our disposal, we were saying that uh, uh, zero COVID policy uh, uh, is, is, is not, is not uh, uh, sustainable and maybe not the, the best choice. All countries should be agile uh, and should really adapt uh, their policies to the, to the current uh, uh, situation. Uh, we see the increase of the number of cases in many parts of the world. So, for example, in, in December, uh, 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 the number of deaths and uh, uh, and infections uh, was 25% more than in, in November globally. Uh, this disease is still killing more than 10,000 people every week. So, so we are still in the middle of this pandemic. I know we would all like to, uh, to be out of it, and we are, we are a bit tired mm-hmm. uh, of, of COVID-19. But unfortunately, uh, the virus is there. We still have our role to play. Countries uh, should keep up vaccination, especially of vulnerable groups. Uh, countries should invest in health systems. And individuals should try uh, what they can to try to, 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 to reduce the, the, the transmission. Uh, so, so what we are uh, saying to China, we are saying to, to other countries, uh, we have to uh, be vigilant, we have to uh, keep up, and we have to uh, uh, try to make sure that uh, uh, lives are not lost. We are speaking with Tariq Yasarevich uh, with the World Health Organization. And uh, Tariq, do we know the type of vaccines that are available to the Chinese people? Are these Chinese manufactured vaccines or do they have access to other vaccines that are manufactured across the globe? 
Well, there are a number of, uh, of uh, uh, vaccines that uh, have been put on emergency use listing uh, by WHO and all those vaccines that we have uh, sort of approved, we know they are safe and efficient. Uh, among them are two Chinese vaccines. Uh, now, what we know uh, as well is that with arrival of Omicron, uh, that, uh, that uh, 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 th all those vaccines that we have are a little bit less uh, efficient, but they still do prevent uh, hospitalization and death. And that's why it's really important uh, to, uh, 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 to keep up vaccination. And this is what we say to China, that they really have to uh, uh, speed up vaccinating uh, elderly uh, and vulnerable uh, groups because vaccines do save lives. Now, what vaccines uh, countries will use, it, it's really prerogative of, of countries and their regulatory uh, agencies. Uh, but what we know from our side is that those that we have put on an emergency use listing are safe and efficient uh, and, and should be should be really used. Tariq, does the WHO know which variant or sub-variant of COVID right now is affecting uh, the country of China at this point? Is it this Kraken that we're hearing has now reached Canada, for example? We are still in the in the uh, era of Omicron. So Omicron is uh, currently dominant variant. It has been throughout uh, uh, 2022. Uh, there are different sub-lineages that we are uh, following. What we have heard that through genetic sequences, uh, through genetic sequencing from China is that uh, there were no uh, a new uh, a, a new sub-variants of Omicron. These are the sub-lineages that we have been seeing uh, before. Uh, there is also uh, a, a sub-lineage, a sub-variant XBB that is circulating, uh, especially in the US, and data we are getting uh, is especially coming from the United States. But we do have a technical advisory group on virus evolution. We are uh, monitoring closely. So we are still in the Omicron. We know that uh, the measures that uh, we have been recommending uh, uh, are still valid and that vaccines are still are still uh, preventing hospitalizations and deaths. Tariq, thanks so much for your insight this morning. We appreciate the update. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is Tariq Yasser-Revich from the World Health Organization. Hey, this is something I've experienced. Do you have a busy intersection in your community that could use a crosswalk, maybe a stop sign? Well, you just can't take the paint out and get to work yourself. On-air contributor Dave McIver went to find out what the process is to make these changes happen in your community. As I was walking my dog through the community of Douglasdale last week, I came to a corner I come to every day on our walk. As Rocket and I waited on the sidewalk, the cars buzzed by. Eventually, someone driving spotted my golden retriever and I slowed down and let us cross. I wondered if maybe that was a spot for a crosswalk. And I wondered, how would I go about doing that? How long would that take? How does the city make that decision? So, I caught up with Pat Grissick coordinator of mobility management with the city of calgary to see how people and communities get things like crosswalks signs and lights installed in their area okay so the city's contact uh, center is 311 so we request that citizens call 311 with their concern uh, a, a service request will then be created and sent to the you know the appropriate area for action so for example for a crosswalk and somebody calls in and says you know, I believe an intersection requires a crosswalk. What would happen is an SR would be created with that location, and then we would go through a review process in terms of the location, in terms of, um, you know, the factors we look at, uh, pedestrian and vehicle volumes, uh, things like that at that location. And then we would get back with the results and let them know if it uh, satisfies the criteria for that uh, for that device. Yeah, so we typically do studies or evaluations for these things. That's right. We look at, you know, um, 
vehicle volumes, number of pedestrians, things like that, and run it through a bit of a warrant procedure that we use to see what device may be appropriate. So it could be a crosswalk, it could be, um, you know, a what we call rectangular rapid flashing beacons, which are the rapid flashing beacons you see on the side of the road at various locations. So yeah, we go through a study process and determine exactly, you know, based on what's uh, happening in the field or what's going on in the field, uh, which device would seem appropriate. Well, it can take a bit of time, quite honestly. We try not to do these things then, you know, in poor weather conditions. If we get a request for a crosswalk, obviously we'll want it to be a time when there's going to be activity. So we don't do them when it's cold out or miserable out. So, um, you know, it can take some time to get a count. Generally, you know, spring, summer type things are the best to do. These are fall. We try to avoid as best we can winter for, for the reason I mentioned. So um, it can take some time. And then in terms of getting a device, um, you know, things like crosswalks and signs are a little easier to get put in and don't take quite as long as uh, as an electrical device. The electrical devices, you know, need to go into a program and can take a bit longer to get put in. So uh, the, the time kind of varies on uh, depending on which device it is. For head flashing pedestrian lights we have or a traffic signal even um you know those type of things anything that involves uh you know electrical component basically there's a lot more civil work and a lot more work involved to install something like that than there typically is for a sign or, uh, or a crosswalk or something uh you know that doesn't involve an, an electrical component well we use these warrant systems so for example for a traffic light a signal light we use a warrant system that uh you know uh, comes up with a score a numerical score and that score can um, dictate which is a higher priority. It's not the only factor. We look at, you know, other things like collision history and things like that. But uh, say we have a couple locations that are relatively equal in all other factors, and one has a significantly higher score than another, but they're both warranted and require a signal light. We would generally take the one with the higher score as a higher priority. Not necessarily saying that there's a long waiting list for them, but obviously if there's something that's a higher priority, we would, you know, endeavor to get to that uh, first rather than something that's of lower priority, if that makes sense. So if you're looking to make a change in your neighborhood, call 311 and get the ball rolling. For QR Calgary, I'm Dave McIver. It just, it gets a little frustrating, doesn't it? When you want something done quickly and the, there needs to be a study done and a study on the study and then you have to put it in the, the list of to do and it just, it takes forever to get anything done. There has to be checks and balances too because if my neighbor five doors down wants a crosswalk and then I do it, <laughs> 17. I think there has to be a process as long as we yeah. can streamline that uh, streamline that as uh, you know smooth as possible that's all that matters I lived it in my community and I seriously did think about taking a can of paint and just going and doing it myself I didn't do it just so you know